Robots vs. Dinosaurs is a proud member of the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Check out Apocalypse Podcast Network for more great podcasts. The following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Robots vs. Dinosaurs is brought to you by the 28th Street and Crescent Bodega. <laughs> Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, Judge Dredd, the Human Centipede, Superman, G.I. Joe, Men in Black, Steel, Venom, My Science Project, Evil Dead, Existence, Terminator 2, Demolition Man, Forbidden Planet, Lost in Space, Child's Play 3, AI, Artificial Intelligence, Back to the Future, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Pacific Rim, That 70s Show, Starcraft, and Barney and Friends. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie every week and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots or dinosaurs. I'm your host, Louis G, and with me as always is my co-host, a new co-host every week. This week, I am talking to returning guest, Jason Carubia. Welcome, Jason. And why don't you tell the audience what movie we're talking about today on Robots vs. Dinosaurs? Hey, good day, Luigi. Yeah, I, I think maybe we should change that tagline because like, it seems like every your ho- a lot of your hosts are coming back over and over and over again. They just love doing this podcast. So thank you again for having me back. I, I'm so thrilled to be on there again. Yeah, we're going to be watching a 1990s classic film. It's, it's weird calling 90s films classics. Uh, but the 90s classic film, Star Kid. <laughs> That's right, Star Kid. And um, yeah, you're right. I, I do have a lot of returning guests. I also, we briefly uh, went into reviewing WandaVision during its run. So we did episode by episode coverage of that. And now we're back to covering movies every week. And so this is like a sort of a new format, some new new direction for robots versus dinosaurs we're changing <laughs> up the whole formula but yeah we we reviewed 1997 we're reviewing today 1997's star kid which uh you could also call 1997's steel and i don't mean the shaquille o'neal movie s-t-e-e-e-l i mean s-t-e-a-l for how much it steals from the movie steel <laughs> right exactly and I, I i get confused between the two films i haven't yeah. seen still steel recently i thought this movie was steel at one point when i'm watching it i'm like wait a minute doesn't this happen doesn't this happen as i was watching the film though there's so many different 90s tropes in there uh, i yeah. started actually a list that just said do you know how i know this is a 90s movie and i just started <laughs> writing things down furiously it was it was wonderful i definitely wrote down at least one of those i forget what it is but but like there were so many of them i'm sure we're gonna hit it uh, at some point <laughs> as we go through this uh yeah joseph Mazzello, he literally says at one point i'm shaquille o'neal when yeah. he's trying the suit out and jumping around. <laughs> I, I saw that too. Check it out. I'm Shaquille O'Neal. I didn't check like what month. Both movies came out in 97. I didn't check what month each one came out, but that would be that would, might be interesting to look up later. Uh, this movie is directed by Manny Cotto, who is also responsible for Dexter 24 and Dr. Giggles. Uh, it stars Joseph Mazzello from Jurassic Park and other movies, but this movie has like two direct nods to Jurassic Park because mm-hmm. it does that cute thing when it has a, a star that was in another big movie that it makes references to that movie instead of <laughs> coming up with original ideas or dialogue. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> it also stars Arthur Burkhart, who is an awesome voice actor. 
uh, Alex Daniels and Corinne Borer. Our opening sequence of this movie is a space fish. Jason, have you ever played the computer <laughs> game StarCraft? I have. But I, I just want to point out, before we begin, uh, last night, after you finished the film, you texted me. And, <laughs> and, and your words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote you right now um, mm-hmm. on, on your words. Um, well, that was a film. <laughs> and we proceeded to have a, a basic conversation of, why this film was disgusting. I, I said that it made me feel nauseous at times to watch. And it's gross. This movie's yeah, gross. It's gross. <laughs> I think you said it was aggressively disgusting. <laughs> yeah. That's the best description we could give to this movie. I, it's just something about this movie is off-putting at times. You think it, it's going to be a really cool uh, alien or robot movie, but at times it's just like, wait, what? Ew. No. Why did that happen? And, and this first opening part is uh, reflections of that. But yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about the intro. Yeah, this movie makes a choice to be gross and it leans into it constantly. <laughs> Have you ever played the computer game StarCraft? Because this opening shot was like one of the vehicles from that game. I don't know like a specific one, but it was like the Zerg and their 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 space StarCraft uh, vehicles. And it's it, sure enough called a brood warrior invasion force. We're mm-hmm. told that uh, one year ago, they attacked the Trelkins, who are tiny and peaceful, but have really cool armor. And they're like scientist aliens. And they built some sort of secret weapon. And obviously, we are on uh, what Superman's home planet. We're on Krypton. Right, we're on Krypton. Right. We're on Krypton. They're, they're, yeah, they're not rocket. They're not pulling punches when they're doing stuff here. So the, the alien <laughs> ship, the, uh, the brood warriors, basically, it looks like a fish. It's a fish. Yep. So when and they pitched invading. it, they pitched it, can yep. we make the ship look like a fish? Here you go. And it looks exactly like a Japanese uh, fighting fish, a beta. It's, it's, yeah, they're invading the Trelkins. The Trelkins, as Roger Ebert brilliantly describes them, he says, they're a race who look like Yoda with eczema. <laughs> yeah, they're gross. Even they're gross. They and have- that's why they wear like cool helmets to cover their gross faces. <laughs> that's right. They, they have these giant eyes that kind of independently move and, and they have kind of jowls. <laughs> like sagging cheeks jowls for some reason <laughs> they kind of look like the mon calamari in star wars and yeah and and they're they have enormous heads so they're tiny they're small I, i'm not sure if they're played by little people or not but they have enormous heads just enormous heads that are and, covered in unsettling open sores yeah. like <laughs> yeah like it, they all have razor burn on their faces it's unsettling and so we're so they're launching this rocket. It flies off. It's obviously going to Earth, but we get this <laughs> we get this Men in Black the uh, shot of the galaxy, and then it very cleverly turns into planets and moons and everything, and it's and it's marbles uh, on a on a blacktop. And exactly. Men in Black did this. It's um, a brilliant yeah. It's a brilliant match on ac- action that they do to bring us from the space battles that are happening through the galaxy, and then they show Jupiter, I think, at one point in, in our mm-hmm. solar system, and uh, and it brings to the playground here. And it is right, very much like Superman. You know, uh, we're seeing a pod that's being launched into space. Yes, uh, they're, they're they're shooting this uh, this weapon that they've built into space, and it's it's a veering through the galaxy, and and uh, then we we. We show up here. Uh, I, I did like, though, in the intro, they had some actual 
set design that was remnant of Doctor Who. At one point, they have this console that all the scientists are working around. And mm-hmm. it, 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 they show it for not even five seconds. And I was so disappointed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wait, are we going to go back to this home planet? Because there's some, some interesting stuff happening there. But, but no. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> we don't go back to their planet. We see their ship later on, like at the very end. Right. So we see like a little bit more of their tech. But yeah, it, yeah, that would have been, that would look like a fun set. And maybe the movie should have spent more time there and less time trying to find a bathroom. But we'll get to that. <laughs> Men, <laughs> Men in Black also came out the same year, 1997. So it's hard to say who copied who. But I, if I had to put money on it, Jason, I'd say Star Kid might have barfed. I, I, I think you might be right there. Yeah. Uh, this middle school playground yard is run just like a prison yard. And Manfred <laughs> is allowed to just be a tyrant. And he tells Spencer, <laughs> our main character, you are USDA choice dead meat in this film's opening of its commentary on the cycle of abuse. And it's yes. not going to go very far with that discussion, but it is going to comment on it. Yeah, and USDA choice dead meat is just a disgusting enough insult that they use throughout the entire film over and over and over again. It, you just, you just, I don't want to be talking about dead meat anymore. The, the bully, he's a classic bully, of course, beating up the young kid, just, just assaulting him. At one point, does the cardinal sin, sin of spitting in his comic book. And I remember yeah. watching this. Gross. Uh, if I was a kid watching this film at that time, I, I would be so angry. I loved my comic book collection. It was, it was mm-hmm. what defined me. Particularly the Death of Superman series was out at that time. And it was, really made me happy. It, it, but I, the other confusing thing I had during this opening scene was they're, they're middle schoolers. They're roughly 12 years old. I think they mentioned later on in the film that he's 12. But why yeah, are they in a playground? Right. Like, <laughs> I, I don't remember having a play. Like, we're going to go out and play a recess and de- tetherball and, and hang well, this out. This is yard time. This is yard the time. only time to get out of the hole and see and the it, sunshine with right. the warden <laughs> keeps an eye on things. And at one point he says, stay off the blacktop. That's where the girls are now. You're over there with the girls on the other side. <laughs> it's, it's, Meanwhile, like, he was surrounded by other, like, girls that were also part of, like, bullying him. So, I, I don't, there wasn't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I i wanted i wanted this movie to have some sort of commentary on sexism but it it, it didn't really go anywhere that thread dropped after the scene <laughs> <laughs> well it had some commentary um, about like relationship with uh with women and how he has a, this uh inadequacy of talking to the girl he likes that's yes. about it <laughs> he hallucinates himself uh hanging out with her and walking around with her <laughs> Or it's a premonition because minutes later she like comes up to him and, and thinks it's so cool that he has a uh, Midnight Warrior comic book. But that's there is this weird single moment in the film where he like sees her walking by and he projects himself walking next to her, and it's the only time that happens. We see flashbacks later right. when uh, Psy looks through his mind and and dis- does the AI aliens thing to him. But, but yeah, it's the- <laughs> very confusing whether like she's actually engaged in discussion with him at all, or all this, her relationship with him is in his head because at the same time they go to the Ben and Jerry's restaurant, which is very yes. much Ben and Jerry's with full logo. And she gives him the complete cold shoulder. Yeah. It's, uh, it's upsetting. She, he, he basically says hi to her and she just says hi and walks away. Even though she, before in the previous scenes, we see her, Oh, you like comic books. I like comic books too. Mm-hmm. It, 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 she just walks away. It, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I wasn't sure if one of those was or was not real. But, but this is, <laughs> I will say their relationship is what the movie 
chooses to end on in its closing shot, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. But <laughs> right. During the bully fight, they yeah. uh, he makes a, a dated joke about making fun of the kid with ADHD. Uh, he said oh, he made yeah. fun of him, and that's just a real dick move, kid. Like, come on. You know, knowing many people that that have you know that, that have a learning disorder that that's just really a, a dick move kid so he deserved yeah. that punch in my opinion after that <laughs> manfred yeah. was totally justified because we don't know anything about manfred we actually learn a little bit more about him in the cycle of abuse as you mentioned <laughs> <laughs> a little bit uh it t- the movie touches on it but it's not it, it doesn't turn into an after school special um well, we're then introduced <laughs> yeah yeah go ahead <laughs> <laughs> um, we're introduced to Janet Holloway, who's a big character in this movie <laughs> and becomes a way bigger out of nowhere character later on. <laughs> Man, it's wild. But but it, for now, she's just the cool teacher. She's into she's got spiders. She's got a spider collection. Is that still a thing? Do you think like I don't have kids in middle school, but you have um, you have nephews in middle yeah. school. I, I do, too. I, can, I guess I could ask them. Do you think that's the thing where like science teachers just have a collection of like lizards and bugs and stuff? Because my fifth grade teacher did. Well, it's always the science teacher that's the coolest. Um, and it, it, we saw this when we did our previous podcast, My Science Project. You know, the, yes. the cool science teacher is the one Dennis that the kids Hopper. identify with. Yeah, <laughs> Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Doing whippets at his desk. <laughs> Doing whippets at his desk. That's right. <laughs> and, but this is this, the coolest teacher as, as well. She like threatens Manfred, the bully, at one point. It's like, don't ever let me see you do that <laughs> stuff again. And I'll, I'll make you pay or something like that she says jason Um, you pick these movies (laughs) why do you do this to us ah i like i like to torture you (laughs) yeah thank you um but but she has that oh they have this discussion at one point after they get back in the classroom and it's mm -hmm. a direct line ripped off again another 90s movie ripoff where she says to him because he's you know after he's beat up he says are you okay and then he goes i'll live it's totally that line from dumb and dumber where the bad guys are like is it the ulcer is in and then the bad guy goes i'll live and pops a bunch of pills it's it's the exact same line and scenario there there are a couple of other exact same line and scenarios (laughs) with this Uh, actor we're gonna get to the the actress corinne borer i only i recognized her from two things she was uh veronica mars's mom on veronica mars and she's in police academy four that's it and police academy is probably where i remember her from i didn't really watch much of veronica mars mm. she i is, like her i like her yeah. in this movie oh yeah she is super fun and she's super i guess uh considerate of the kids yeah. or at least in teams talking to them like they're adults you know talking to them like they're equals and yes, <laughs> she, she's the only one at one point. I'm like the way that she's talking to him about how girls are and stuff. I wonder, is she, wait, is she coming on to him? What is happening? It's, it's a little much. And, but she does, she gives him the lesson, I guess, that this movie wants us to have. Um, this is sort of the end of act one. If you run away from the things you're scared of, it doesn't get any better. Fear doesn't go away. It gets worse. Yeah. Uh, this is right before that Ben and Jerry scene. He splats the, the ice cream in the kid's face. His dad uh, picks him up. And uh, okay, we're, we're introduced to his sister, Stacy, mm-hmm. who um, is a consummate 90s older sister in a movie. And she calls him Little Scab Juice. Which she has a bunch of nicknames for gross. him. Gross. Yeah. 
Yeah. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's gross. I think she calls him the fungus later on. That's another yep. nickname she has for him. But scab juice, definitely. It, it's one of the gross outlines. Uh, but the we, we mentioned the teacher has a affinity with spiders. That was her thing that brought yeah. her into science and opened her up to the world, apparently. But we're going to see a lot more bugs and bug references as as the movie for, progresses. But she does introduce the first kind of gross-out moment where she talks about this, this kind of hornet wasp that spits acid out of its, its butt. And, mm-hmm. and she says to the kids, think of it like a really gnarly fart. And they all, you know, <laughs> they all start to laugh. You could tell this is a kid's movie when they say words like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, the fart, the fart humor, the fart jokes. It would the- be nice if that wasp was brought back to the film later on. Like if there was a a bad mm-hmm. guy that was like that. If the aliens that came to the planet shot acid out of their butts, because that would be a humorous reference to earlier in the film. But that doesn't happen. So that joke just falls flat, and just eh, it's it's a fart joke. Yeah, I don't I don't think they had more than two suits. Um, yes, so. I thought the same thing. I wrote it down. How many? How many alien suits do they have? <laughs> uh, we, one. Okay, there's one thing. One really dumb thing that I like to zoom in on. This is a staple of RVD movies, where we get a, a we get a shot of like or a sequence in a kid's room, and it's like an authentic, messy kid's room. It doesn't look like the Hollywood version where they've like set up all the cool things that a kid would have in their room. This looks like some kid like lives in that room, puts X-Men and Spider-Man stickers all over everything, like leaves it a mess, doesn't, you know, doesn't really straighten up. Like it looks like a kid's room. Yeah. I, I don't know why I noticed that. I noticed every single thing in the room and I was writing down the things I saw in the room because it would have been a room that I would have lived in. You know, I would have, mm. I would have enjoyed. So they had tons and tons of comic book stuff. Uh, yep. he, he, this kid is a huge comic book fan. So you see like action figures of the Hulk. He's got a poster of the thing. He's got, for some reason, Gambit hanging from the ceiling with Spider-Man. There's a Mr. Sinister as well. There's some X-Men references in there. But uh, he also, I noticed, has things on shelves. But but a set of shelves he has set up have display case lighting. And I thought, wait a minute, what's going on here? So mm-hmm. they, the scenic designer, you know, um, having done a little scenic design myself, like th- this was their magnum opus. I'm going to make this a, a kid's room and make it look like a kid's room. But they couldn't show the action figures actually, you know, in their place settings. So they put in lighting into the shelves itself so we can make sure we saw all those action figures. Uh, it's oh, it's cool. a, it's a nice little nod that they did for those people that are looking for it. But a casual person just looking at the, at the scene though, it's just going to see, Oh my God, look at all the action figures. Oh my God. And at one point they have a, I think a starship starship enterprise, uh, actually two of them. They have the original series and the next generation hanging from the ceiling as well. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Even, uh, I don't think this is an accident. His sister at one point walks in wearing these yellow pants that are like rain jacket material. And she looks <laughs> like one of the X-Men. She looks like Jubilee or like any of the X-Men in their yellow jumpsuit. It could have been um, just a factor of the 90s. You know, you know this is yes. a 90s movie based upon the wardrobe that she's wearing. Yeah, to- totally. This movie is totally 90s. It's rad. I noticed and, the <laughs> I noticed the girls in his class like were wearing chokers at one point. At I'm one surprised point. we didn't see like a slap bracelet. 
Right. <laughs> his his dude is for all these comic characters. His dude is Judge Dredd, aka the Midnight Warrior. I don't know if you've ever read a Judge Dredd comic, but I, I as soon as they showed Midnight Warrior, I thought that's what it was. Yeah. And it might be, and they might have just uh, changed out the cover panel. And change it to original, their own original thing. Yeah, it's an original character, but it's supposed to be referencing something similar. It's basically, it, it is, if you look it, at it and like the design of that character, it is Judge Dredd. Uh, <laughs> down to like the, it's skull crushing time, head crunching time. Um, the vi- the over the top violence of it. I, maybe you can help me fill, the, fill in this detail. There's sort of this Iron Giant sequence where Spencer hears a noise and he goes to Grim- Gimrick's auto parts and it's sort of this iron giant thing this is when he finds the spaceship yeah Um, he sees something crash into the junkyard and we're again reviewing another movie with another kid going to another junkyard yeah Uh, it's a common thing that happens in in kids movies they just like to hang out in junkyards i thought i was going to be spending a lot more time in junkyards when i was a kid based on on movies and tv They're the safest place, you know, the junkyard next to the car <laughs> crusher. You know, just kids are able to, like, run around at night. There's mm-hmm. no security at all. Uh, but, yeah, he sees this this uh, something crash there, and he goes to check it out. And we see this kind of pod in the middle of the junkyard, which opens up like a beautiful flower. And, mm-hmm. we, see, and we see a robot or some type of a humanoid. We're not sure exactly what it is, but it seems kind of silver. Well, he asks, uh, he says, are you like an alien creature? And the cyborg says, non-factual. I'm not biotic in origin. He asks, are you a robot? And he says, partially factual. I am not designed for independent motion. A biotic host is required. And says a bunch of other stuff and then asks, do you require transport? So he's basically explaining that the suit itself is sentient, fully sentient. It has its own mind, its own personality, and... It's interacting with what it's calling a biotic, um, but it it needs. Okay, here's my question, Jason. <laughs> here's my one, my only question about this inc- incredibly answers. insane we want con- scenario. Is this thing for? <laughs> Who is it built for? Because the the Trelkins are tiny; they're half right. the size of it. Well, so they're. Okay, so... Oh, wait, that's... Okay, oh, my God, I just answered my... Yes, I just answered my question because that's why Joseph Mazzella fits into it. All right. Okay, you know what? There it is. All right. There it is. I got to give this movie credit. At the end of the film, we see one of the Trelkins does get into (laughs) the robot. But let's talk about this this robot, which I think we can best call it... Cy is... It's it's a cyborg, and um, so he nicknames him Cy at one point in the film. But it's a... It it says it has a symbiotic relationship with the host. It's Venom. yeah, basically, we, we are Venom. Right. We are Venom. Uh, I don't know. I think it's more carnage, I think. <laughs> this is creepy as heck. But the, uh, the symbiotic relationship, I mean, the question, is it organic or is it non-organic material? Because the thing opens up and it's got like veins inside it. And you can see yeah. when it try, it, it try, when it, when it, when it offers its actual butt to, <laughs> to the kid. The, I don't know why it has a butt crack. Oh, the robot has a butt crack. Because this robot is somebody's fetish, Jason. <laughs> and so its back opens up and you see inside it and the kid climbs in because he wants to see what it's like. And the robot assaults the kid and like, sucks him in and traps yeah. him in there. We see that yeah, really cool... Syn- synaptic interception. 
yep. on him. <laughs> yeah, we see that really cool liquid metal T2 effect, kind of similar to the Flight of the Navigator, which seals him up into the into the robot. He can't get out of this thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the, the scene where he gets into the robot and the synaptic hookup to him reminded me of... Have you ever seen the movie Existence? No. No? It's got Jude Law in it. It's a sci-fi movie about being inside video games mm. it's it, it's it's kind of like a film noir but it's made by a, a horror film but it doesn't have much cg or anything like that so they use practical effects for anything well anyway during the movie at one point he constructs this gun made out of organic materials he ma- he basically has this feast in front of him of different foods like chicken and fish and all these other kind of slimy foods and he starts pulling the bones out of it out of the foods and licking the bones as he's doing it. And then he constructs this kind of organic gun. It, it's the most disturbing scene I've ever seen in, in a film that's not trying to be disgusting. And it's all because of, of the subtle artistic choices that they've made to this gun. But the, the hmm. robot inside reminds you of that. It's, it's kind of yeah. this kind of organic kind of appendages coming in and out. Yeah, it, it, and it has like a, um, a well-articulated face for like a 90s creation. And the fact that it's semi- pre-CG or, or proto-CG, but the, the the animated articulated face reminded me of like the the, the cover of the Necronomicon. <laughs> yeah, because it's only just the that. lips that open and close. The <laughs> inverted face, we see the inverted face on the inside yeah. of the robot the kid looks at. It is disturbing. Which is gross. It's really that's, disturbing. It's like they live. The if you watch, yeah, if you watch They Live, the glasses that people look like, that's what it yeah. looks like. And that's the horror element because as soon as he gets trapped inside of it, it's like he looks up and it's, oh my God, this inverted face is looking at me and talking to me <laughs> and I can't, I can't move or look away. All I can do is scream, but I have no mouth. Uh, he can't do a lot of things inside the robot. So uh, yeah, the, the, the robot Fa- phase, phase one close assault cyber suit is what they call it. The, the face has the tiniest of tiny noses for some reason. The eyes mm-hmm. are dynamic. Uh, ginormic. It's it's gigantic <laughs> eyes. You can't even see. They like, there's no mistaking them. They're blue. They're huge. They they move around. Look at all things. But the nose is the tiniest thing ever. Like, why did they even build a nose on this thing? I, you know, I. That's a very good question because does it smell or taste anything? Uh, we're gonna find out later. Well, um, first, <laughs> there, <laughs> first there is the scene. When Spencer is testing out the powers in the junkyard, this this is when he says, "I'm Shaquille O'Neal," and he's jumping around. And the man, the music choice for this was <laughs> this like country kids' bop version of Magic Carpet Ride. Yeah, and it's the most unexciting music for this sequence. <laughs> it is. I, uh, oh man. And, and for and for like a cyber suit, a mech, a kind of an Iron Man type mech, it's really going for the basic things. It, it it has super strength. It can jump really high. Later on, we find out that it's got rollerblades as feet because again, nineties. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually two rollerblades moments. There's one though. They're like on their way to Ben and Jerry's. We see the rollerblades, and then the You're talking about escape tactic suit. number one. That's right. Escape. This tactic. is escape. <laughs> this is this suit's escape tactic number one is rocket skates. <laughs> First move: an assault suit. An assault cyber suit is to run away in in rocket rollerblades. Yep. 
Uh, but we uh, we learned we learned that phase one is like a it's basically a close assault cyber suit. Primary function mm-hmm. is combat enhancement, so it's meant for yeah. war. And yes. and this is at, remember we had the conversation when we're talking about never ending story. We were talking about what what would be cool if we saw the spaceship this this sentient spaceship be a weapon of war and the social and ethical implications about that. Basically, we have that situation right now, but they're not going to address it at all. Hmm. The kid's in a weapon of war, and it's just fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. When when the uh, Trelkians, when the Trelkians, yeah, the Trelkians uh, do show up at the end, they, they barely comment on on the actual war. I, I barely understand what the stakes are at that point. But uh, this is also this is another in this junkyard. This is another Iron Giant moment when Spencer says to he's asking he's trying to make a joke and he's he you know it, this is this is such a trope. I, I feel like I'm qualified to talk about this. Well, being yeah, we've the, talked about this too. The host with, with, of yeah of a ahead. podcast about robots and dinosaurs. How many times? How many movies have you seen where a kid and a robot or a person and a robot uh the person has to teach the robot humor they have to yeah. teach it what a joke is and by the end of the movie we get a joke from the robot it the scene is is plucked directly from flight of the navigator it, th- mm-hmm. we had where where max doesn't know how to laugh at all and he teaches yeah. him how to laugh that's exactly what happens in this movie they there's the moments are exactly the same and then on top of that uh it, it has some elements of like terminator 2 to, yes. as well yes that, it does the, the robot's kind of cold and, and even at one point later on in the film where they do the low five and with a bully and the bully's <laughs> hand hurts which is just ripping off terminator 2 the exact same <laughs> happens it's it's a trope we can we can discuss this it's just pulling pulling from what it knows and this is also the a direct reference to jurassic park because the joke that he pulls joseph mazzello pulls is what do you call a cow with no feet yes ground beef and it's a funny it's a good joke like 10 uh 1000 comedy points for that but like this is a direct (laughs) reference to what do you call a blind dinosaur right do you think a saurus yeah it, it, that's that's not the only dinosaur reference we'll get we'll get a, f- a few later mm-hmm. on but the most interesting ability of the mech and this is the one that actually gave me all the feels was the fact that the mech because it it's it's connected directly to his brain his his mind it's got this neural link it mm-hmm. can actually read his mind and his memories and project his memories for him to rewatch which is creepy which is creepy, and it's, it is, and it's something that makes a, a nice poignant moment where he gets to see his, his mother, who's, who's passed away, for the first time. And you, you see the actor, you know, actually do some really, really good acting there, you know, when, when he gets all the feels of, of seeing his mom uh, since she's passed away. It, it, was, a, it was a very True. poignant moment, but it, it, it would be funny if it pulled some other <laughs> moments from his past in there to remember, like things he doesn't want to remember, because... That's some comedy. Yeah, like, oh god, I don't. You know what? I don't. I don't want to imagine what this movie would come up with if you pitched that to the writers, <laughs> uh, because they write such lines as when Spencer gets used to his powers, he says, "Let's see who else should I abuse." <laughs> the first and thing he, he does is beat up the bully. <laughs> yo, he goes straight for Manfred out on revenge. And if that scene when he's when he comes in and the kids in the car, if that scene had slightly different music and slightly different editing, it would be straight up horror. It'd be Spencer, a Jason. 
kill. Yeah, Spencer is, he goes right to being, instead of a superhero with these new powers, he goes to be a supervillain and he goes right to the bully. Like, that's a very good revenge. He, 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 he is not, is not even like Batman seeking kind of like justice. This is like revenge. Mm-hmm. And he assaults the, the bully. He d- just ignores the fact that the bully lives in a completely different world and lifestyle from him. The, the mm-hmm. fact that the bully's, you know, being abused himself in the circle of abuse. Uh, that's happening, but he he uh, not only physically assaults the bully, but he destroys his relationship with his with his parents. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh wow! Uh, <laughs> and he, he like, takes such delight in it. It does. He, he makes he makes the bully. Okay, we can, are we at this point in the movie? Yeah, he is. So he he makes the the bully destroy one of the classic cars his father restores for customers mm-hmm. and like and by painting over it and having all these problems and at one point because you hear the cycle of abuse you hear that that line again about USDA choice beef you know that you, you think that he his father is going to actually kill him and it's very disturbing <laughs> they do play they do make it menacing where they they make you think that Sai is going to crush the car or like especially crush it with the kid in it maybe but and they sort of pull back a little bit from that because ultimately it just gets his painted his uh painty footprints all over the hood which might be salvageable but it's still it's still bad it's still embarrassing for him and like you said ruins his relationship with his parents you know i think his dad i, I can't remember he must have been on the sopranos or something I, that's why yeah. i just get threatened by him he just seems like a, a gangster uh, it's just it's, it's like he's something with a mob i don't know i can't I, remember I know what you mean. He's one of those actors. I, I feel like I immediately recognize his voice. I'd have to look him up to figure out who that is. But um, you know, but another actor. Any, I don't want to look up anything about this movie. I just want this another, movie to be like it is. Let's let's not get any further into this scratch of the surface of it. Well, another actor that pops up very soon is Hyde from that '70s show, Danny Masterson, who is I guess on a stolen motorcycle or something, and he picks up uh, Spencer's sister, Stacy. And drives her to, is it like a circus or like a town fair that's going on? Yeah, so it's um, the town, the town fair. It's it's the Crystal Bluff Fair, which is huge. Apparently, okay, it's, it's the it's the biggest event in the town. They is is yeah, it they, the kind of kind of event that they just have like people in metal robot suits walking around normally? Because when Sai shows up, he kind of slinks around like a Scooby Doo villain. And nobody seems to see or notice him. I don't know if it's that they see him and it's normal, or if he's the movie is tr- wants us to believe that he's doing a good job of, <laughs> of hiding his his appearance entirely. Yeah, we're we're with Danny Matheson here. It, it was one of the moments that that I remembered. Hey, wait, you know why this is a '90s movie? It's because Danny Matheson is is cool you know he, mm. he's not cool anymore but he he was a big deal uh, Danny masterson he was a big deal in the in the 90s but i remember mm. i want to just pull, pull it back to when he's talking to his sister because there's so many things that i i screamed while i was watching it the fact that she's reading a book about body piercing made easy yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was real, right? That was just like a prop somebody made because they. I feel like they had some fun with stuff like that in this movie, like the prop designers. Yeah, and and of course she has the 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 plaid giant 
like over sh- like shirt button down shirt which is mm-hmm. so very very 90s she uses words like like chill out and and in in the bedroom uh his bedroom later on in that scene when she goes in there you can see that he's got like a touchstone phone that is clear you know they, they mm-hmm. that old classic telephone in the house oh that phone i had that phone yeah i know exactly what phone you're talking about yeah and it, it there's certain moments in the 90s you're like I'm, I'm watching a 90s movie i'm watching a 90s movie this is happening i'm reliving this stuff right now yeah there's this throwaway line that i wrote down that when when he's doing the scooby-doo like spying slinking around spying on everybody his ultimate goal is to spy on this girl that he likes like he o- overhears her and her two friends talking and one of them says something that sets up a weird payoff later on in the movie about how she wants to have a successful t-shirt business. <laughs> and that gets paid off at the end of the film. The other girl, though, Jason, I swear I rewound, the, rewound this three times because I wasn't sure if what I was hearing was what I was hearing. Yeah, but I know myself well enough to know I don't want to get myself cloned. Right. This girl just says that out of... No what it, what. I rewound it to try to see, like, what were they talking about before that? And in the I other can't scene, figure it out. Yeah, I can't figure it out either. In the other scene, when they're as a reality in Star Yeah, the, the other scene at Ben and Jerry's, they're talking about a boy in class, a different boy that huh. that they think is cute and they like. And you can hear that a little bit in the dialogue, and you can also see it in the closed captioning. And it, but for this part, I don't know why she's talking about being cloned. It, it, but and the other do, girl's talking about her t-shirt business. <laughs> this t-shirt business. This is what she wants to do: is be a successful t-shirt sales <laughs> entrepreneur. It, it, entrepreneur and it's it's a it's a a a plot line that they bring back at the end and yeah there's no reason for no reason one of the few things they set up that pays (laughs) off (laughs) a character i don't even know the character's name but it's just one of those moments at the end where i'm happy for her yeah so i guess we could talk about that so so this character who is the best character in the film at at one point the the rope okay the, what next happens is the robot um sees the girl that he likes uh, yes. through yeah through we're, we're still at the circus because i got right. a few things to say about it. <laughs> right the carnival so through the fair sees the girl that he likes through his memories okay and but identifies her kind of as someone he needs to protect and and then a series of unfortunate mishaps happen at the at the carnival how though how does this happen i couldn't track this like was it just the burt the t-rex that set him off or was there some sort of malfunction that made him misidentify well they thing? they they say a line in in the film itself that he is a prototype so this is why he has oh, these mistakes yeah got it so I, I have that same okay. question. Like, how could this robot go from zero to 60 so fast? How could it go from like just walking and talking and, and having a funny little demeanor to suddenly being this, this killer assault weapon and destroying this fair? A, a, a moment which should call the National Guard in. People would be freaking out. This, this, mm-hmm. this deadly robot is just throwing people around, breaking so much, tearing down the Tilt-A-Whirl. It, it, it's, it was disturbing. But they do get the, uh, the second dinosaur reference in the film in where the robot mistake, mistakes a man in a kind of a fake Barney suit. Bert the uh, T-Rex. Bert the T-Rex, as he's called, for being a, an alien threat that he knows of. Right. Uh, 
And, yeah, and, he like and target locks him. <laughs> he target locks him. And then he turns on what looks like a trigun. His arm goes all <laughs> Mega Man. And he turns out to this trigun with a blaster on it. And he's going to, sh- he's going to shoot the, the, the Barney and kill the Barney. Um, does goes, shoot him. He does like, he disintegrates the whole front of his suit. I don't know. The guy is lucky that he doesn't have third degree burns. I don't know how anyone's not dead. Uh, <laughs> and, and then he goes over after that, the kid goes, Spencer goes to the tilt a whirl, which is now like mm-hmm. about to crash and fall. And the girl's about to plunge to their death. He, uh, Spencer in the robot saves them from the tilt a whirl and then just has proceeds to have a scene where he's talking with the robot while the girls are screaming their heads off, mm-hmm. looking at this scary robot who tears the door off of the tilt a whirl. The, the girl with the t shirt business decides this is a great opportunity to take out her camera and take a picture of the robot. Oh my gosh. I, so that's, that's part two of this whole t-shirt thing. I didn't that's even notice that two. detail. That's how she gets the photo that that's, we see imprinted silkscreen later. Br- good catch, Jason. Brilliant. Um, you know what? This whole movie is actually just about this t-shirt business <laughs> and the whole, the whole cyborg suit thing is really just the backdrop from, from, from this point forward. <laughs> yeah. Is, so is this when, is this when he's like, we got to get out of here and they, they initiate escape tactic one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Jason, you are a director, you're a writer, an actor, you're a storyteller. You're familiar with the Joseph Campbell hero's journey. And if I said the, the phrase, save the cat, like a save the cat moment in a movie, you'd know, you know what that is, right? Yeah. It's, Can it's, you break that down a little for our audience in case they, they haven't heard that term? So let's see. What, you mean I save the cat? So we're, we're stopping for a moment to do something that's not going to really affect you as, as the plot or storyline, but it builds character for the, for the, for the hero. Saving exactly. a cat from a tree. Yeah, which moment are you talking about this movie? <laughs> well, this movie has an, the exact opposite. It has an endanger the cat moment because after he escapes on his rocket skates, he it shows, the movie shows a close-up shot of a cat hanging out in a tree branch and Psy lands on that tree, knocking it to the ground and the, and the cat gets knocked out of the branch. So it is literally so, the opposite of the save the cat mode. <laughs> literally the opposite. And they took the time to set up the sequence and get an animal handler. So they wanted to show this. They wanted this. I didn't even realize moment. this is, this is the, the uh, like an actual deliberate thing. I just thought it was part of the pandemonium of this, this cyborg destroying this town. Oh. I mean, who, who knows? The unfortunate thing is that many Kodo doesn't have a ton of other credits. So it's like, it's not like I can look for themes in his filmography and know like, is this a thing that he does? Does he break down protagonists? Is he, well, I mean, he did do Dexter. So he does, I think we could, at the very least we can say, <laughs> he's somebody that is a, uh, uh, he's, he likes heroes or protagonists that aren't too worried about collateral damage. No, not at all. They, they're, their ethics are ambiguous, though. They have one goal and they have a, a one, one hero journey. Not, there's, everything else is collateral damage. So where are we now? We're, he's, he's fleeing the carnival. Where does he go? Fleeing he the goes, carnival. This is where they established the Simon Says thing, which I think they literally took from Terminator 2. Yeah. <laughs> or, or demolition man, Simon says. Ble- Simon mm. says bleed. <laughs> but I, but I mean, like, doesn't doesn't John Connor come up with a safe, like a safe word for the T eight hundred in Terminator two when 
he's like, you know, no guns or, or you can't kill people. You can't kill people. In, yeah. Yeah. It, you, just, you just don't, don't go around killing people, it, which is ripped off in this movie. They, they, they lift it right from T2, but in T2, I don't think they have like a, a, a safe word that he just doesn't do it. He has to follow John Connor's okay. instructions and John okay. Connor's like gives him a directive saying you can't kill people. And so you see him shoot people later on. They have life threatening injuries, but they're not going to die. Like, uh, uh, got it. Yeah. It, it the only thing that he actually ends up killing is the the T one thousand. So he directs ethics into the Terminator instead of in this film where he basically he just gives him a safe word. <laughs> basically, he's like, you can use that gun when I tell you to use that gun. <laughs> right. <But no. laughs> and, the, and the safe word is Simon says. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, yeah, this kid's like 12, 13. It, make, it makes sense. Like, the, this movie is 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 uh, treating the character and, like, its audience at the same level. You know, it's it's sort of, it, it makes sense. Speaking their language. But you have and, this murderous, untested assault robot that can be unleashed mm-hmm. by just saying Simon Says. That's a lot of scary yeah. power and, for a kid. And you have it in the hands of a kid that we has already been shown to have a vendetta, like he's out for blood. The very first thing he does is get revenge. And this is the scene that you you talked about a little bit earlier, where he gives him the memory of his mom. This is very much like big spoilers for AI. I talk about that movie a lot, but the ending of that movie where the aliens give David a projection of like a memory with his mom. And then the alien asks him, why did she cease to function? Or no, the, uh, I said the alien. Sai asks Spencer, why did she cease to function? Uh, which is a kid's movie way of saying, why did, you know, how'd she die? I wrote down pizza dude for some reason. Oh yeah, P- this is where pizza dude, a pizza delivery guy has, his car is broken and he sees the invader brood warrior invader ship crash landing and he goes and checks it out and this is uh, a me- so. this is a, a men in black similar movement from the beginning yes. uh with edgar you know and the alien comes in and skins edgar and wears an edgar suit around and very then, much and takes his truck you know this is a very yes. similar moment to that but this well, guy gets away yeah we see that truck later on the uh, the, mm-hmm. the rico's pizza rico's, rico's pizza? pizza you see it again in the compactor it, it, but the, the we don't reference the alien driving it ever. <laughs> no, but isn't it, I think it's how they get the alien into the compactor. We'll get there. We'll definitely get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, the question um, is, how does the, the alien? How does the truck get in the compactor? Is the alien driving the truck? How does it get from A to B? Is the alien using the truck to drive around? I'm not sure. I'm so confused. But the alien is this slimy kind of bug-like alien. Or bringing mm-hmm. it back to their teacher, like a bug fish. Bug. Like, yeah, it's like bug it's gross. Hybrid. It's gross. It's gross. It's gross. Like everything else in this movie, it's gross. It's got these leeches all over its body. What look like 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 uh, a kind of parasites, and occasionally mm-hmm. it'll pull off one of these parasites, like which the Cloverfield looks, monster, right? It, it'll use it as some type of organic weapon. So the mm-hmm. first thing it does, it takes off this parasite, and it kind of morphs into a spider-like drone that flies, and and it has a scorpion kind of tail that rattles for some reason it's the most disgusting thing that they keep bringing back is that this alien just peels pieces of it off to turn into different things it kind of looks like one of the singers from guar (laughs) the lead singer Uh from guar the old 90s band (laughs) that's man that's really good i i I was getting strong like power rangers villain vibes oh yeah that's one of the 
monsters, the Power Rangers fight in, an, in like the first part of every episode. And then Rita throws a thing, make our monster grow. Okay, so this is where Sai <laughs> uh, <laughs> tells Spencer all about Generous Dathar, who's, he, he calls him his father, his maker. He's the scientist prime of first council on, I have to look at this name every time, Trelke, the Trelkians. Trelkians, Whatever yeah. the Trelkians home planet is. And he, ta- he talks about him like it's his father. Spencer gets hungry and they decide to get a Nebula burger, which has to be synthesized. And <laughs> Jason, I didn't watch this whole scene. I just, I honestly, the sound effects were enough for me to know when it would be over and I could just look back at the screen. I just looked at my notes for like a good solid 30 set to 60 seconds. It goes on way too long. Yeah, uh, it's 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 uh, the the moment that gave me nausea as well. It's it's it, so <laughs> the robot won't let him eat the burger himself. Yes. The robot must ingest the burger into its mouth. So the robot like puts the burger into his mouth. And then he's like about to eat the burger, but it, it gets bypassed into some type of machine inside the suit, sucked down into into some part of the robot, and then reformed and dispensed into a little burger pellet <laughs> for him to eat. A cybersuit turd, as Spencer calls it. He yep. calls it a cybersuit turd. And then they force feed the kid the cybersuit turd, which is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, and and I was just I was traumatized. Yeah, it's the worst thing that happens in this movie, and I almost turned it off. Uh <laughs> it is disgusting the the, jason just did a very very good job of describing it but nothing matches how actually gross it is that they they make you watch this whole entire sequence they like chewing the burger process like it's like you're watching from the inside as a as a body chews and swallows (laughs) and processes food and then churns it. You're just watching the whole entire digestion process, but from the inside. And then you have to eat the result of it. You see it's these slimy, veiny inside the bodysuit. Human centipede <laughs> grossness. Yes, uh, kind of tentacles inside. You're processing this 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 burger into what looks like a round ball around uh, a brown ball that yeah. he's force fed <laughs> because it has to be brown of course right it has it to be the most unappetizing we've already talked about this more than i want to talk about. look look they, they explain it as being look he has to take away the unwanted Horrible. nutrients it only can yeah. it only can allow his host basically his driver to consume things that have been processed and th- synthesized he can't allow the impurities into the host which makes no sense but okay shortly after eating he has to use a bathroom <laughs> so that turns into gross hijinks for a while this is but, the most disturbing scene in the entire film for me i don't know okay. what the heck <laughs> More than what we just saw? More uh, disturbing than what we just saw? Yes, yes. It, it, it's, so we get, the kid has to pee. And he has to pee really, really bad. So mm-hmm. there's nothing, first there's a confusion as to having to pee because the, the robot doesn't know the word pee. So he has to explain <laughs> to him what peeing is. <laughs> it's a conversation I never thought I'd hear in my entire life. So finally he says urinate. And the, the robot understands what urinate means. And, uh, and, and then at one point, he's going to deploy urination aperture. <laughs> and right from his groin area, the robot groin is the smallest little tube that pops 
out, which is his tiny little pee pee hole. And it, oh, it's it doesn't doesn't it doesn't his chest open up at one point and he's like, no, I can't reach that or something. No, it, it's it's his groin, and I was I thought that too at one point, and it, it's his groin uh, because what happens next? And this is the most bizarre thing. He decides to go to his science teacher's house. Yeah, and she's watching Lost in Space. She's watching Lost in Space, which is a great robot (laughs) reference. It's a special episode because it's the Lost in Space episode where Robbie the robot from Forbidden Planet's there. So they have the Lost in Space robot and the Forbidden Planet robot. That's cool. That's that's a cool little reference. I like that. It's a great episode. That's a great movie too. If anyone's seen uh, Forbidden Planet, it's a a wonderful early sci-fi film with a killer robot. And, and yeah, that's a cool little nod to the to the robots. Uh, yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it echoes. that. I'll give Star Kid something for that. Yeah, like let's throw it back to the good ones. But then Mrs. Miss Holloway, <laughs> first she thinks the robot's going to assault her, and and Jen just, rightly so. It's yeah, in her rightly home. So. It's, it, it, <laughs> it's absolutely absurd. She's screaming for her life, but finally she realizes that it's the kid because he talks through the robot, and mm-hmm. she explains that he needs to use her bathroom, and of course he can't use the bathroom, so she decides to help him by prying open the groin area of the robot, which had the little hole on it. Now we at this this is. I don't know if this is real or not. I, this might just be in my head. But once it, it opens up, you see her look in there like she sees his weeder. And I'm so confused. She anyone- doesn't. I had the same thought. She doesn't because he, he, we hear the zipper sound effect a moment later. So she doesn't see anything but his pants. I was worried about the same thing. Because <laughs> she gives a reaction like she's seeing inside where his member is. And, and then she runs. Of course, he runs to the bathroom wearing the robot and relieves himself for a very long time. And she has, <laughs> she has this wonderful moment where she is by the length of his pee. <laughs> what the hell is going on? <laughs> Jason, you picked this movie. I was screaming when this happened with the, her facial reactions to the <laughs> length of time that he's, cause she goes from like confused to like impressed to I'm kind of concerned to like, I think, wow, I think the, should I call Guinness for and, and tell him that he's about to break a world record? Right. And I think she has a, like a, a line at one point that says like, that was special. I can't remember. It was. He said, yeah, he comes out and he says that was special. <laughs> this movie is gross. Um, yeah. So. So she then also does one of the most <laughs> 90s things ever. Well, she might have done this before she fixed the suit, but she does the 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 big like wide-eyed reaction. I ju- my brain just can't process this. I faint right off screen. Yeah. Jason, how common is fainting? <laughs> yeah, I I've I've never seen people faint out of a situation like that. It's it's definitely something from sitcoms and 90s movies. And 90s movies. Uh maybe it's something they did a lot in in farces or something like that. It comes back yes, to Elizabethan Tartu for something like that where if people fainting fainting couches, couches or something. Uh That's what but, it is. Farce is that's such a good word. That's that's right that's like exactly what it is yeah it's it's just they're trying to bring it make it relative it, it's it just doesn't work <laughs> yeah it's just it's just man it's like one of the another one of those things like 
junkyards or quicksand that 90s movies showed me a lot of that I thought I'd either have to be worried about encountering this very often well, or it's it going to happen. Yeah, in sci-fi movies, the, the big one that I remember, of course, is Back to the Future. Jennifer mm-hmm. faints. She faints all the time. <laughs> it was like the, the, the I'm old line and then she faints. <laughs> yeah. And then they kind of use that as as an excuse to like drag her around to different spots and just leave her on the on the porch <laughs> at one oh, point. Yeah. They, they, they do the faints. worst version of fridging her. They porch her. They porch. <laughs> they porch her. And then and of course she faints in in Back to the Future too. Like she just faints all the time. All right. So then we get some business with the uh, Brood Warrior drone. They call it a usurper drone. Kind of looks like Toka from the Ninja Turtles two movie, <laughs> Secret of yeah. the Ooze. Yeah, uh, I think they just stole it, Toka's uh, Toka's suit. That's that's what it was. They might have. It has some sort of chem rifle, and uh, yeah. what's his name? Psy tells Spencer that about it comes from the planet Ichi X or Ichi Ten, maybe, and it's subjugated eleven worlds so far, including the Trelkians and. <laughs> Spencer's whole entire reaction to this is just a 90s kid shrug. Bummer. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, oh, that's tough for you guys. By the way, can I get out of this thing now? (laughs) And he's like, but I got to worry about Earth. And then Sai tells him the obvious, which is, well, these things are taking over everywhere. They're going to take over Earth. And he's like, oh, still your problem, dude. I got to go home. Exactly. <laughs> he does. And Stacy, this is where we see Stacy's yellow pants. Uh, he starts, Spencer is trying to tell the adults about what happened. And I thought this would be, this whole entire thing would be fast forwarded because there is an adult there. Right. Janet, who also experienced the same thing. Yeah. But no, but still they do the thing where it's like, nobody believes him. Nobody believes her. His sister says he's Wigan. Which, if you didn't know, it was a 90s movie before. That's, that's definitely a 90s reference right there. <laughs> yeah, they steal a Corvette from somewhere. They're, when they're, I, I forget from where, but I know it's when they're trying to be inconspicuous and they steal a Corvette of all things. Uh, a cop car chases somebody into a above-ground pool. I'm yada yada through a lot of stuff that I think the movie is, too. Yeah. Um, so if, I, if I'm skipping anything important, Jason, please feel free to slow well, me down. Well, the important thing I, I remember is yeah, that yeah. He's, talking to, he's talking to his dad. Uh, yep. This is after his house is destroyed because he goes home and tries to eat what's in the fridge. And, and oh, my God, the fridge destroys sequence. the entire house. Like, it's 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 something that you hope you have insurance because your house is now condemned. You can't live in this space anymore. And, and he, destroyed, we, he destroyed uh, Janet's home too, right? <laughs> he destroyed Janet's home too. He destroyed the carnival. He destroyed the house, Janet's home. He destroyed the uh, bully's car, the lift. And, and you know, he's just a lot of destruction going on because of this robot. I remember Miss Holloway in that scene where they're talking about the robot having the largest coat ever. It, it's very 90s to have hmm. like giant, giant overcoats for some reason. And True. she has the largest coat ever. But they steal a car. I don't know why they steal a car. He, he meets up with a bully. Yes, Man, Manfred. He meets up with Manfred. And Manfred you know, is now going to get killed by his parents. So, But Manfred realizes, he hears him say the line about the ground beef, that it's him. It's mm-hmm. it's and uh, so Manfred comes and, and confronts him and said, "We need to talk." And immediately the kid just punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah, he does some like because karate kid moves on. He him. just goes right to violence, beats Manfred, and tries to beat him up. But then they all they stop because suddenly now there's a bigger threat of the alien being there and the brood right. warrior. The kid and Manfred they decide to I don't know they steal a car. Yeah, um, the cor- a Corvette. A Corvette from his dad. 
that's where they get it from. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is this is the car that uh, I guess his dad uses for racing or something. And he at one line they have like, oh, he did a really good job with these brakes. Uh, but they steal this Corvette sure. because they're going <laughs> to make it over to the junkyard. They have to get to yep. the junkyard, which he yes. walked there, by the way, before. I don't know why they need the Corvette to get there. So <laughs> well, They got to get there fast. Really fast. Uh, but Manfred can, can drive stick, though, which is good. And, yeah. and right because we saw him practicing earlier in the movie they, they i'll give him again we got to give star credit when it deserves credit they set this up at least yeah and so what we see here <laughs> um Cy, the cyborg is is at the junkyard he's now all mm-hmm. upset because because the kid left him and so he he's he's basically waiting to die because he's fulfilled his mission by battling with the alien at one point and so the alien attacks him and they start having like it out sucker a punches bit. him right sucker punches him yeah i'm trying to remember what exactly Exactly happens at this is the point in time i just checked out because it's just not yeah. really fulfilling my my happiness well, levels man, yeah <laughs> manfred shows up he's helping spencer they're in the junkyard and he gets he gets wrapped up in this gross like the the usurper drone spits like an intestine rope at him and it wraps around him and and it's like a snake or intestine rope and it's yeah gross. yeah it's it's more slimy appendages the, the yep. brood warrior has as i said these gnarly leeches ticks parasites off of him at one point it pulls one off and it kind of morphs into his ship it kind of inflates into his ship and it sounds like a balloon being inflated and you know how you rub a balloon it sounds like that as well but it yeah. also for good, some reason good, yeah, sounds like like raw meat being slapped too it's got that disgusting yeah. kind of juicy <laughs> noise and it sounds like a like a hot water be- water balloon you know kind of but it's filled with fresh urine you know it's, it's got it's got that kind of disgusting quality <laughs> that you, you don't want to go near it at all it looks awful i don't want to be touched by this thing and it's just wrapping <laughs> his whole body up and around his face but then spencer but shows up we don't see the ship ever again i just want to point that out it inflates that's a good the, point it inflates I, the yeah. ship there it's there that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I forgot about. I'll be. I, I'm going to be honest with you, Jason. I forgot about the ship. I I, <laughs> I, I realized it was dropped at the end because I'm like, wait, wait, what happened to the alien ship? You have an alien ship. You know, take it, go somewhere, and no. <laughs> I kind of reached a point in this movie where I was like, I missed a detail or two, but I'm not. I'm not ready to rewind it. I think that's the point that where you texted me to like, Jason, I hate you. Before we watch this. <laughs> So, well, Spencer shows up. He, he says um, what was apparently Midnight Warriors line. It's head crunching time. Yeah. And he attacks the thing with with a, with a battle shield. And the drone takes out a spore staff. Like it's a Mortal Kombat character that can just morph its weapons. Yeah. The music is real bad in this scene. The music is really underwhelming. Also, Spencer is trying. I think they're trying to give him something that's like, like a catchphrase or like a cool thing to say. And they keep trying. And I, I think they keep swinging for the fences and missing. <laughs> yeah. um, he says, have some pain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then this is our second flagrant Jurassic Park callback. Uh, at one point, he's he's trying to do, uh, again, the details of this, but he's trying to do something in tandem with, with somebody else. And he says, on three, one, two, three. And he actually gets to three. Famously in Jurassic Park, he was uh, counting to three and then was zapped off of a electric fence with yeah. like 50,000 volts. It, there the is... robot at one point bites mm-hmm. the alien in the arm. Other and... way around, other way around. The alien bites the robot in the arm, right? No. No? Sigh the alien 
because it, it has them in a lock. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, jump while the kid's back in the suit. While he's back in the suit, they jump. He goes, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Of course, because he's got the 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 mind connection to him. The robot says yes, like like Pacific Rim. Yeah, like Pacific Rim. And they and the robot just jumps, you know, fifty feet up into the air, uh-huh. and then bites the alien's arm, which has his arm around its neck, to get it off of him. The Blood Warrior's arm. And there's like blood coming out of the Blood Warrior. It was another disgusting moment, but I had thought to myself, does the robot have teeth? How, how could that happen? Um, we know he doesn't because we've seen the inside of his mouth too many times, more times than I wanted to see. <laughs> That's right. But we do get another, we get another, the Blood Warrior, Brood Warrior has a mm-hmm. predator vision. So we see kind of a, a throwback to Predator earlier, Earlier, when it's chasing the bully around, was chasing Manafort around, kind of like this predator vision tracking him, which was kind of fun. Yes, yeah, that's true. Is this how they get it into the trash compactor? When he like, is this how they do it? They jump up and then just drop him into it. Yeah. So after because... the robot, after Psy basically dies, he's mm-hmm. on the ground. He covers him over with some metal sheets, I guess. Spencer covers him over and then peels off a takes a piece of his skin. And then, you know, uses it to lure the, the, the brood warrior around the junkyard into the open car compactor, uh, yes. which, which has the same, for some reason, van from the pizza guy there. But, but, they, go huh. into the, but they go into the car compactor. Uh, well, that was set up earlier, the van, because when that pizza guy, he, his wheel was missing and he was like oh. 30 minutes or less, my butt. Oh. And then he ends up, when he sees the brood warrior, drives away on with, with a missing wheel. So, man, you know what? The more, <laughs> I'm glad we analyzed <laughs> this movie because I wasn't giving it enough credit for all of the little details. Well, you don't like just junk a van for no reason at all. Like, why does right? it, what is it doing in there? Well, it's missing one tire and then it drove around on, on its axle missing a tire. So I guess it's unsalvageable at this point. That, that could be. It's, it's, a, it's a huge, huge danger machine. The, the trash compactor, no trash compactor, car compactor. I'm getting car my Star compactor. Wars reference uh, in there. The, the car compactor has a giant time countdown scoreboard display which <laughs> which which is like we're watching a, a a basketball game he pushes the button and now he's got 30 seconds to get out of there <laughs> that yeah. we can all see uh, before he gets slowly crushed and this uh, was kind of a scary sequence I'll be, I'll be honest when i was a kid i like watching a lot of movies with like trash compactor deaths or sequences like this like uh, what else? Ninja Turtles. This is mm-hmm. how they kill the Shredder. Child's yeah. Play Three has a sequence like this. It's 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 it it scares me. It's unsettling to me. Well, the first Terminator. You know, at the end of the, mm-hmm. how they crush the the first Terminator. Yeah, it's it's, it's in this metal crushing machine. Uh, so it's very very scary. But it's also very very dark. Like this kid is is sl- we see it happen. This slowly crushing this van, this delivery truck around this alien, and mm-hmm. you can hear the alien screaming as it's happening happening and at the end you hear a squishing as well too gross and then it just like comically pops out this cube with a hand of the alien sticking out with the kid's shoe that it had grabbed onto it's it's (laughs) it's pretty gross and disturbing yep yep i'm gonna i'm gonna yada yada some stuff jason you you can you can put a pin in anything you want to come back to and expand on but go for it but the trelkans beam down from their ship some stuff happens with them Janet becomes uh, Spencer's new mom and t-shirt company is successful and it ends on a shot of the middle school quad and Spencer and his girlfriend reading Midnight Warrior together. End credits. 
in memory of Soraya Amon. Yeah, they they basically yada yada the entire the entire end themselves because yes. what, as yes, I mentioned, <laughs> as I mentioned, the, the house is destroyed, you know, the, yep. the, the family's trying to find them. They're at the junkyard. Basically they have a, uh, they say, uh, instead of what's going on here, what happened? Where have you been? The dad just says, let's go. And they leave. <laughs> and so it's, it's a, let's go home. And never talk about this ever again. In uh-huh. the car ride, they have, Hey, you guys know any good fishing spots? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just and, not going to talk about anything that's happened. They're just no. They're openly everything. flirting with each other because he he's like, you know, oh, do you know any good fishing spot, spots? And she's like, I know a few because I'm like into fish and and spiders and weird shit. And so, and he's like, well, what would I have to trade for that information? And she's, and it's like very much two adults of the same age, like whose lives revolve around the same kid flirting with each other. We're in not going to address the elephant in the room that you have no house to go home to, like that. Well, you know, it's okay because they found love, and they and you know, with each of them has about half of an intact house, and if they combine it, they'll have one intact house together. <laughs> Uh, and Spencer found a friend. Um, and I think the, the closing bits of dialogue between him and Cy when he's going back with the Trelkians, yeah, the Trelkians, is that is that he's got a friend. He made a friend and that he's going to miss him, but he can maybe visit sometime if they made a sequel. If they did, did they ever sequel. make a sequel to this I, movie? I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> any any, any <laughs> news about like a reboot or... I doubt, uh, doubtful, highly doubtful. But at the end, end of the film, we have Manafred going to get murdered by his father. Spencer has a, a space medal that he got. Mm-hmm. And we have a brand new Etsy shop that just opened up that sells graphic tees of a weird alien face. Uh, it's, yeah. it's quite the ending. Written and directed by, by Manny Soto. All right. So, Jason, <laughs> why did you pick this movie? <laughs> uh well, I wanted to do something that we both haven't seen. Talk about something that that definitely echoes the the good films that we've we've discussed. I liked how this was a very remnant of Terminator and Flight of the Navigator. I thought I thought it was at times, you know, kind of clever in in fulfilling those tropes, but it had those what the fuck am I watching moments. It was it was it was definitely to coin a different phrase that people have used many times, bonkers. And it gave me a lot of a lot of a lot of joy just just seeing how how batshit crazy it is. Well I'm glad you put me through this because you were willing <laughs> to put yourself through it as well. And that's what friendship is all about. So. <laughs> Misery loves company Lou, okay? Cause because you're right. This had it was it was a movie. It was <laughs> gro- gross, but there was dev- I, it has some of those some of those things in movies that are my favorite things in movies, which are like, what am I seeing? How was this able to happen? <laughs> How, with the amount of people that work on a movie together, was everybody in the room saying, "Yep, yep, but this is this is going to turn out great. This is this what is we're good. this is our vision right here. Let's go run with it. Let's go run with it." Yeah. Oh my goodness! But um, it, you understand it has it has potential to be a really cool, clever sci-fi film. You know that that could have some some really good heart to it, but it it just never delivers. Never. I only think it's fair to say it has potential because of how many things it's borrowing from and. Right. And so it, it just feels like 
so many other better movies <laughs> that that you you think it has potential if they followed any one of its interesting threads down a logical path, but they don't. They just sort of introduce a bunch of interesting threads and they're like, well, we don't really have time for that. We got to get back to the pee and the fart jokes and the grossness and the gross out humor. The the nausea that I experienced watching this film at several moments. True. Jason, this is <laughs> this is going to be a good one because this is a section of Robots versus Dinosaurs called What's Your Snack? Jason, what's your snack? When you watched Star Kid, were you able to stomach any food and keep it down? <laughs> the answer is no. I was not able to stomach food. Unlike Spencer in the suit, I wasn't. I was not going to attempt to eat the the brown cyber suit turd. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I left. I left the Good snacks choice. away. I did have a, a a Manhattan. I decided to make myself a nice a nice drink, um, okay. and that that made the movie a little bit more palatable. <laughs> mm. I ordered a pizza, and it arrived. <laughs> <laughs> at a point where I, had, where I had to pause the movie and I was very grateful that I got a chance to pause the movie and take a break from it. But then when I came back, I started eating the pizza for about three minutes and then I was like, I can't eat, especially pizza during this movie. So I had delicious pizza later. But no, I couldn't, I could not eat anything while watching this, but I could, this was a non-snacking movie. I can only yeah. imagine how upset I would have been if I had bought popcorn and stuff <laughs> Oh man! And I was just sitting there, like I paid fifteen dollars to have a snack that's gonna make me vomit. Right? This so and then you're never gonna want to eat popcorn ever again because it's gonna remind you of this movie. Because I'm not expecting Human Centipede when I walk in. Like I'm not gonna buy snacks before I go into Human Centipede, but I might buy snacks before Star Kid. You're not expecting slimy appendages to be wrapped around your mouth. It's just, it's no. just not gonna happen. This is, without a doubt, the grossest movie we've ever reviewed. But, uh, Jason, I have another question. Is there any... This movie got a 5.3 on IMDb. Um, it's, <laughs> we're not the only ones who disliked it. it. It lost a lot of money. Its budget was about $12 million, and it made about seven. So it lost a lot of money. A lot of people didn't like this movie. <laughs> Do you think that we could improve this movie by replacing any of the two actors in it with Whoopi Goldberg and Danny DeVito. Uh, of course. Of course we can improve this movie. The, the characters, I mean, they don't need too much. The actors do a fine job themselves. I don't think there's any, any particular area that lacked except when Spencer screamed. He has that kind of guttural screams that gets on your nerves. You hear it in Jurassic Park as well. And he screams a lot in this movie. I would, I mean, he's a kid. He, he does a good job being a kid, I think. Right. And he's, he's got a good emotional connection to the text. And I really, really like that. And that's, that's, and, and I, I was thinking maybe he should do more, but I think in Danny DeVito would be <laughs> fantastic as either a Trelkin. <laughs> okay. Or, or the, the, um, the blood warrior, uh, the the Blood Warrior drone just have Danny DeVito, mm. you know, talking in this this alien language, and it would make sense if the Blood Warrior was about the same size as the Trunkins. You know, they were they were kind of foes, and and uh, Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg is Whoopi Goldberg. She'll just add some some cool character to whatever whatever she does. She would be a, a great uh, a great Psy. Just replace mm. her with Psy. But there's not really like a. Yeah, I, I don't want to waste them. 
I don't want to waste them at all. So, so you're saying uh, instead of improving Star Kid, let's let's just leave Danny DeVito and Whoopi Goldberg careers alone. Yeah, and not <laughs> and not even try to improve Star Kid. Let's not add this to their their already large uh, repertoire of work. Let's 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 not tarnish their image by putting them in this movie. <laughs> Here, here's my pitch. I want Danny DeVito to be Psy. And Whoopi Goldberg is Spencer, and here's why. Because there has to be a scene when <laughs> she, when he's like, yeah, you have to get inside of me. And she's just looking at the difference in size between the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just this, this like, four-foot-tall cyborg suit. <laughs> and she's like, I physically cannot. And then, I don't know, maybe they do some sort of Doctor Who size morphing. Uh- I would definitely be more disgusted <laughs> if Danny DeVito fed me a brown cyber turd. Oh, God. <laughs> it's bigger oh on the inside. God. Yeah, the suit is definitely bigger on the inside. Jesus. I, that's, I, I'm shutting it down. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We're done. This, we can't, um, this movie is no, going to make us lose our lunch. For real though, this was this was a fun one to talk about. Do you if you have anything else like if we forgot anything or like skipped over anything? If you have any any other notes about Star Kid uh, or anything else you want to say about it, the floor is yours, Jason. I, the only thing I have to say is this: this movie is free to watch on IMDb. If you have Prime, for example, or any other app or channel to watch, still uh, not worth the price. It's it's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not usually this mean to movies. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you get what you pay for, okay? <laughs> you get what you pay for. That's a better way to put it. You get exactly what you pay for. If you watch this on IMDb. <laughs> I would recommend this movie just to see how bonkers it is. Like just, mm-hmm. just to see that scene where the kid has to pee and the reaction just to figure out, wait, wait, is, is this teacher actually seeing his penis or not? We, we need to know these things. And if you have, if, we, I would encourage all of your listeners to write it on the Discord, to to comment, to, to give your opinion of, of whether she saw his penis. Is <laughs> <laughs> my well, you heard my theory, which is no, because we thank thankfully, thankfully, <laughs> hear the zipper sound effect later. Right, uh, but but you know, I I missed a lot of important stuff <laughs> during the climax of the film, so I I could have. I might be wrong. All right. Well, Jason, thanks again for coming down to Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Oh, thank you. As always. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Uh, me too. Why don't you uh, Why don't you say goodbye to the audience and close us out over the music? Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Robots and Dinosaurs. Uh, tune in next week. We'll be talking about another horrible film that's going to ruin your lunch. <laughs> <laughs> When it, when it offers its actual butt. The camera zooms in on me. So we get out. some high proof alcohol. We get gasoline. Anything that says What funny. makes our lives worth living is our mortality. If there were not mortality, we wouldn't be passionate. Luckily for me, most of the beauty pageants that I've um, participated in don't. I've know. done my fair share of blood, man. I've always liked showing myself off naked. Got up out of the seat, walked to me, and then slapped me. Spontaneous conversation with people from around the world on Stranger Than Christian, available on your favorite podcast app and at strangerthanchristian.com. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to apocalypsepodcastnetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard.